you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9. If I ask you to tell me tonight what you what something you know a lot about, I get a lot of different answers, wouldn't I? Who knows a lot about cars? Anybody here know a lot about cars? Nobody. Well, this is a good group. <laughs> Who knows a lot about sports? Some of you think you do, but that's all right. <laughs> Who knows a lot about cooking? A few hands go out. How about history? Only a couple of hands. Now here's a question. How'd you get that knowledge? It didn't just come to you, did it? It didn't just happen. You weren't born with it. You spent time searching it out, researching it, doing reading, doing studying. You spent a lot of time to get that knowledge, and you're probably still spending time to get that knowledge. So let's remind ourselves, what's something God wants us to know a lot about? John 17, 3, this is life eternal, eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, that they may know you. Paul prays for the church at Colossae. He tells me he wants to, them to bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. You're in Jeremiah 9. Look at verses 23 and 24. Two verses kind of in the midst of a whole bunch of suffering that's going on. But thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. We're not supposed to boast in all the things we know about, all the things we have, all the things we can do. But we're supposed to boast that we understand and know him. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. That phrase in the middle of this verse. What's that mean to understand and know him? We're supposed to have a desire to know God. Boast that he understands and knows me. On Sunday nights, you've been studying the book of Revelation. And some of you came tonight thinking you're going to do that. If you're upset, email paul.thompson at auc.org. <laughs> but in studying the book of Revelation, we've learned a lot of facts about God, haven't we? A little quick quiz. True or false, there's only one God. God created everything. God is omnipotent. God is holy in all that he is and does. God is triune. God changes. Oh, I think you get that last one. But here's the question. When God says, boast that you know me, is he telling me to boast that I know facts about God? Is that what he wants me to do? Now, definitely wants me to know facts about God, doesn't he? But in this verse, is that what he's talking about? And so we want to remind ourselves, what's the difference between knowing about the Lord, just knowing facts, and knowing the Lord? You're here in Jeremiah 9. 
It's obvious one difference is, because he tells them to not boast in what they know, but if we don't know the Lord, we can boast in our wisdom, we can boast in our might, we can boast in our riches. If we know the Lord, then we're going to boast in the one who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. So what's the difference? If I just know about the Lord, I can keep trying to impress God and others with me. My riches, my might, my wisdom. But if I know the Lord, evidently I'm supposed to be impressed by God. Keep, keep something here, Jeremiah. We'll come right back to it. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is a chapter we always go to on kind of how the unsaved mind works. In Romans 1 it says this. In verse 21 talking about those people, although they knew God. Now, what's he talking about? What kind of knowing God is he saying? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Evidently here where it says they knew God, they knew about God. And if I just know about God, I can just worship created things. But if I know God, I worship Him as Creator. I don't make that substitution of created for Creator. Interesting passage here in Hosea 6. This is what God says. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. But what shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But like Adam, they transgress the covenant. What's he talking about? They knew about the Lord enough that they thought what was important was sacrifice and burnt offerings. When he says what was important was knowing my steadfast love, knowledge of me, and reminding yourself of the covenant. So if I just know about the Lord, what I focus on is religion or religious acts. If I know the Lord, I focus on a relationship with him. So is there a big difference between just knowing about the Lord, knowing facts, and between knowing the Lord? And the answer is big difference. But here's the problem. There is difficulty in this with God. We know God wants us to have a relationship with him. A little bit early in the service, you greeted three people. Most of you cheated and did four or five. But the way we greeted each other, is that the way we have a relationship with God? Because we understand what the problem is. The problem is with God, we can't see him, we can't touch him, we can't hear him audibly, we can't see his facial reactions, his responses to us. And so many times this knowing the Lord, this relationship with the Lord is difficult because we tend to be sense-oriented, aren't we? And sometimes we even think, maybe this is not even possible. 
If you go back to Jeremiah, go to Jeremiah 29. Is knowing the Lord in a personal way, in a relationship way, even possible? Here in Jeremiah 29, the Israelites struggled with this too. You understand that? And he says in verse 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes, gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. If you seek me, I will be found. But it doesn't sound like an easy thing, does it? Reminds us of James 4.8 on the screen. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Evidently, this relationship, this knowing the Lord is possible, but it's not easy. And yet it's supposed to be our desire that we can boast that we know the Lord. Now, there's no doubt it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Without that, we can't know the Lord personally. But past that fact, there are some things we need to work on to know the Lord in a way that we can boast about him. Turn back to Exodus chapter 33. We're just going to walk through some keys from Scripture that help us understand how do I work on this difficult relationship with God? Because it's harder than my relationship with people that are right here with me that I can see and touch. And the first obvious way is going to be this. We get to know God more from his word, don't we? That's where he has revealed about himself. That's where he's told us about himself. There is no doubt this is the first and the key place to get it. Interesting, in Proverbs chapter 2, when Solomon's talking about searching for wisdom, and of course you can only search for it in this book, in God's word, he says, if you seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Isn't that an interesting sidelight? I may be going to the Word for something else to start with, but if I go to the Word, I'm going to find the knowledge of God and I'm going to get to know God better in His Word because that's where He's revealed Himself. Here in Exodus 33, Moses had this same problem we have. Look at verse 13. He says, Now therefore, talking to God, if I've found favor in your sight, Please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. So here's Moses saying, I need to figure out how can I know you. So look at God's answer down in 18 and 19. After Moses says, please show me your glory. The Lord says, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim to you my name, the Lord. Interesting he says that, isn't it? Do you tend to know people better that you know them by name? Just shake your head, yes, I can hear it rattle up here. Interesting, if you know them personally by name, it's interesting you tend to know them better. You realize how many times God revealed himself by name in Scripture? I'm going to give you some slides that frustrate you because we're not going to take time on them. But you understand God gave us all sorts of names of himself in Scripture. You've got the English translation of the word God, Lord all caps, Lord with small letters, Elohim, Yahweh, and Adonai, the three key names in the Old Testament. So don't try to write all these down. I'm not going to give them all to you. And he doesn't stop there. Then he combines those two in names by which you have English translation, Lord God in caps, Sovereign Lord in caps, Lord God in small letters, where he combines them to remind us this is the God in relationship with us. 
And then he gives this name like God Most High and El Shaddai, the Almighty, better translated the All-Sufficient One, the Everlasting God, the Mighty God, the Mighty One of Jacob, the Rock, the Lord of Hosts, the Lord who provides, the Lord our peace. And if I ask most of you tonight, how many names do you know of God and how many names do you call him by? Most of us would use the same name all the time and we wonder why. Why don't we know God better? We're not using his names. We're not knowing him by, he's revealed his names in his word so we get to know him better. And you say, I'm glad, I'm glad he's done. No, you're not done. Lord, our healer, Lord, our righteousness, Lord, our banner, the Lord who makes us holy, the Lord who's there, the Lord, our shepherd, Jesus, Yahweh is the savior, Christ, prophet, priest, king. And so my first question is, if you're getting to know God more, are you using the word, number one, to know him? Number two, are you using the names he's given to you to get to know him better in relationship? Let's go to a second one, back to verse 13 of Exodus 33. Moses says this, Now if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. How do we get to know the Lord more? We know him by the ways we see him work. And that's why God says in verse 19, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. Over in verse 34, verses 5 to 7, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. These are my ways, Moses. Watch for my ways watch how I'm working in these ways and you'll get to know me better how about a third one verse 14 here's something else God said when Moses said I want to get to know you God said my presence will go with you now we know each other's present here tonight because we can see each other is God present? But what's our problem? Our problem is the same one Jacob had in Genesis 28. Remember with the ladder going up and down, the angels going up and down, and Jacob wakes up and he says, Surely the Lord's in this place. And the translation here said, I didn't know it. Really, he's saying, But I didn't pay attention to it. When I should have been reminding myself, the presence of God is right here with me. Job says the same thing at the end. Job knew a lot of things about God, didn't he? But then God kind of corrects him at the end. And once Job starts to know God better in relationship, he says, I heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. What's he reminding himself? This is the God I'm watching for his presence. I'm watching for how I know he's here. Let me give you a fourth one. How do we get to know the Lord more in relationship? We work at spending time thinking about who God is. Most of you know Psalm 46.10. Be still or cease striving and know that I am God. Do you work at spending time thinking about God at all? We won't turn to it, but I remind you, remember Elijah? 
had the big deal with Ahab and Jezebel, and when it's all done and Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, and Elijah gets all depressed, God goes to Elijah, doesn't he? And remember, God is not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. What is he in? The still small voice or the gentle whisper, some translations have, that he had to work to listen to. How much do you work to listen to the God who is speaking to you? Does he speak to us through his word? In that still small voice, you realize that's a personal relationship, that this book is as personal to you as it was when God wrote it to those back in 2,000 years ago, that's now a personal message to us. You remember in the New Testament, Mary and Martha? Remember the problem with them? What Mary work at? Or Martha work at? We'll start with Martha. What Martha work, work at? Working. Serving. What was Mary working at? Sitting and listening. Did that tick Martha off? Slightly. And Martha says to Jesus, make Mary help me. And what did Jesus say? Martha, what you've forgotten, there's one thing that's necessary. And Mary's figured it out. To sit and get to know her Lord more. And she's taking time to do that. Is that what we're doing? Are we spending any time thinking about who God is to get to know Him better? How about this phrase? You've heard it. How's your walk with the Lord? Right? Enoch walked with God. What does it imply when we say you're walking with somebody? What's that imply? Answer out loud, loudly. Spending time with. What else does it imply? You know them. Friends. Conversation. Doing things together. Is that what it means to you? And again, with God, is this easy? Remember in Hebrews, it reminds us about Enoch, that he didn't see death. God took him. But before he was taken, he was commended to having pleased God, because without faith it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's what's talking about Enoch. This was not an easy walk, but Enoch took time to seek out God and walk with him. And got to know God a whole lot better, didn't he? Turn back to New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3. I'll give you a sixth one. How else can you get to know God better? Take time to witness his power in your life. Now, is God's power always visible and available that we can see it in nature? The answer is what? Anybody see it yesterday when the front came through? Right? Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above proclaims his handiwork, day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. It's always telling us about God's power. But we forget to look at, in Ephesians 3, 19, in the midst of this prayer for this church, he says he wants them to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
Are you witnessing his power working through you? That's how you get to know Christ better. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings as Christ shown through him in sufferings. Paul got to know Christ better. He saw Christ's power. So what are we being reminded here in a number of different passages? Well, God wants us to boast that we know him. So how do you get to know him more? All of these have to do with this. Are you make knowing God personal? We tend to make knowing God factual. And that's a good start. But God says, I want you to make it personal. I want you on a daily basis to make your relationship and your knowing me personal. And you got to do some thinking and some seeking and some studying and some walking to pay attention to that. Now, here's something interesting. We talked at the beginning about the danger of just knowing about the Lord, because you can know about the Lord and just go about what you want to do, didn't it? Is there any danger knowing the Lord? Yeah, there is. Because if you don't do something with it, you're also going to have a problem. Here's a verse from John 14. We know John 14, 1 to 6, and we sometimes stop there when Christ says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But then it goes on with an interesting conversation. Jesus says this to his disciples, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe I am in the Father, and the Father's in me? Well, didn't they know Jesus? The answer was, Yeah, but in a superficial way. They'd never put together what that meant for them, what that indicated to them. That it was supposed to indicate something about the Father, that they were to do something with that. So it's one thing to know him, it's another thing that that forces you to do something. You know this verse in James 2. You believe in that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do the demons know God? Does it have them change their actions at all? No. And that's why James says this. Do you want to be shown, you useless person, that faith apart from works is useless? You believe God is one. There should be some action that demonstrates that you know God. If there's not, you're no better off than the demons. You know the Lord, but you haven't taken it where it needs to be. So now we're really to the second part of this phrase. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. We have a desire to know him. That's what we should have. And we need to work at that. But you got a second part of this where he says, you have to boast that you understand. Now this is an interesting word in Hebrew because this is a word that means to understand and then exercise skill. So it's not enough just, I got it in my head. Something has to come because of it. Remember Daniel and his three friends in, in the book of Daniel? Chapter 1, right? 
Daniel 1, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. The word there translated skill is the exact same word that we just see in Jeremiah, which is understands. So when they got this understanding and skill, what were they able to do? In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters. They could demonstrate something about what they knew, couldn't they? It wasn't just they had it. It came out and was demonstrated to others. Go back to Psalm 94. Psalm 94. You're going to see this word again. In Psalm 94, verse 8, there's a phrase that says this, Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise? That word wise is this word for understand and then do something to demonstrate you understand. Because look what's in this passage. They thought they knew God, but what are they doing? Verse 6, they kill the widow, the sojourner, they murder the the fatherless, and they say... The Lord doesn't see. The God of Jacob doesn't perceive. And that's why verse 9 says, He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? You say you know God, but you really do not understand because there's nothing following up that shows you understand who God is. It's similar to this verse in Titus 1. The individuals Titus was working with, they professed to know God, but they denied him by their works. They said they knew God, but their works didn't back it up. They didn't demonstrate their understanding was coming out in any sort of skill. Now, one of my quiz questions was, the last one, God changes, true or false? False. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same. Well, you all know that, right? And you all understand that, correct? Really? Well, then why is this verse in Hebrews 13 in relation to that verse? So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Anybody got a fear of man? Well, if you said you understood and knew that about God, then this is the way it's supposed to demonstrate itself in your life. This is this word, understand. If you say you understand God, something comes out of that. Turn over to James chapter 3. I'm running you back and forth tonight so you can stay awake. How does this get executed, this idea of understanding and then demonstrating skill? If I understand, the phrase on the screen says, I demonstrate my understanding of the Lord, my knowing the Lord makes some difference in my life. Everybody understands that? How's that for understand? It makes some difference. And before we look in James 3, I'm going to remind you of a parable in Matthew 25. Remember the parable of the talents? He gave one servant five, he gave one servant two, he gave one servant one, right? The guy he gave five, how many did he get back? Added five more to it. The one who got two got 
Invested, got two more. The one with one buried it. Why? You remember? Here's what he said. He also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. You understand what he's saying? He said, I knew what you were like, so here's why I buried what you gave me. And what's his master say? If you really knew what I was like, then something would have demonstrated you really knew what I was like. Because what you did demonstrated you didn't know what I was like. Because if you knew what I was like, and you did what I didn't want you to do, then you're either ignorant or you're doing it out of spite, one of the two. So we're talking about, if I say I understand some things about God but there's nothing that demonstrates it, then I either don't understand or I'm just spiting God. You're in James 3, verse 13. Who is a wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him... What's the next word? Show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's an interesting word. Your wisdom's not by what you know, it's by what you show. So what will show if you understand this wisdom that is from God? Verse 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I'm showing wisdom from above. Well, where did James get this list? Well, pure is pretty easy. The word pure describes everything God is. But you remember our verses from from Jeremiah chapter 9? Boast in this, that you understand and know me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. You got those three words? Now look at James' list. Steadfast love, and then you see the word in here in this phrase, gentle, and you see full of mercy. And he says, I'm the God of justice. And you see the phrase open to reason. You see sincere. You see impartial. You see peacemaker, sown in peace. And he's the God of righteousness. And so you see full of good fruits. And you see a harvest of righteousness. What are you showing when you're showing the wisdom from above? You're showing you understand who God is. Because James is saying what you're actually executing is you're demonstrating the God that you understand. And so when you're giving wisdom, you're understanding a little bit about God and you're showing that in your works. Let's look at some examples of individuals who knew and understood God and so they demonstrated some skill that showed they knew God. If I say Abraham and Isaac, 
What are you thinking about? Real quick. Killing, right? And so they're going to be sacrificed. And Isaac asked the question, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, well, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Great spiritual answer. But you understand Hebrews tells us that Abraham knew something and understood something about God that had him give that answer? He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. What he knew and understood about God was coming out in what he was going to do with Isaac. Knowing that even if God has me kill the child of promise, he will resurrect him from the dead. He's able to do that. He demonstrated his understanding by what he did. How about Joseph? Why didn't Joseph sin with Potiphar's wife? What was the reason he gave? Most of you know this one. Oh, maybe you don't. How can I do this great evil and sin against God? And he runs out naked to demonstrate what he knew about God with her, his coat in her hands. Well, how about David? Why did David fight Goliath? Because he was so brave, right? Because he knew and understood something about God, didn't he? Remember what he said? The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. If I know and understand God and he can do it in this case, then I'll show he can do it in this case. Why does he confess what he confesses about his sin with Bathsheba in Psalm 51? He understood something about God. Against you, you only have I sinned. And it comes out in the act of confession, doesn't it? Interesting verse in Daniel. We've talked about Daniel. Where that's where the word also comes, that they were had skill from God. They understood God and something came out because of it. And here's the phrase, the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. You got those last words? If I know about God, I can know all sorts of things and do nothing. I can change nothing. I can make no action. But if I know and understand God, I must take action. Because if I don't, I don't understand. So first I have to make knowing God personal. And then I have to make knowing God visible. Because that shows that I really understood something about God. And I do something that demonstrates what I know about God. And it can come out in all sorts of different ways, can't it? So how you doing in boasting about knowing and understanding God? Now, why should we do this? What's the reason? Here he says, Jeremiah says, Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understand and knows me, the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness on earth. So I do this so I can boast. You see the first reason here? You realize there's something God wants me to boast about? Now go to 1 Corinthians 1. We'll see it in the New Testament context. Where Paul kind of helps us understand what Jeremiah also is talking about. 
Why do I work at knowing and understanding the Lord more? Because I want to be able to boast. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 1. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. By the way, who's God describing? Us. Go back and read the list. He's describing us. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Fortunately, it doesn't stop there. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts do what? Boast in the Lord. That's the same idea we have here. There is something I'm to boast about. It's not my wisdom, my strength, all the things that I know and have. What I want to be able to do is boast in this that I understand and know the Lord. But there's a second reason for this. Is back in Jeremiah, this word for boast. Why does he say, he who boasts, boasts in the Lord? Because this word in most other places in the Old Testament is a word meaning praise, and you're going to recognize the word when I put it up. It's the Hebrew word hallel. What word do we get from that? Yeah, you all know that one, don't you? You realize by demonstrating what we know about God, we live a life that boasts of Him, that gives praise to God. That's how we demonstrate we actually know and understand Him. By living lives that make that visible. So why should we do this? So that we can boast in the right thing and live a life that praises God. But there's a last reason for this back in our verse. Our last phrase says, For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Many of the translations really puts it this way. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Which means he's talking about those who boast and understand and know him. Those are the ones he delights in because we're the ones who are giving the glory to God that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. That's in Matthew, isn't it? So you boasting tonight? Can you boast that you understand and know Him, that you're working to make your knowledge of God personal, and that you're working to make your knowledge of God visible. So we live lives that boast of the right thing. Let's pray. Father, it's amazing to us that you even use us, that you want a relationship with us, that you desire to live through us, and have others see you in us. But help us to be dedicated to work harder at getting to know you on a personal level. To recognize your presence. To remind ourselves how you're working in our life. To see your power through us and know you are right here with us. And then help us to show others that we really know you and believe who you are, 
and demonstrate that in our lives. And we praise you for this. Amen.